Hello, and welcome to the Heart Failure Beat Healthy Living, a podcast brought to you by the Heart Failure Society of America. I'm Laura Poco, Director of Marketing and Communications for HFSA, and I'm here with another episode of the podcast as part of our Heart Failure Awareness 365 campaign, which serves as an outlet to share news and information about heart failure treatment, care, research, and more throughout the year. On today's episode, we'll explore research and clinical trials and why they matter to heart failure patient care and outcomes. Our guests on the show include Dr. Mona Biuzat, who is an associate professor of medicine at Duke University and a senior scientific advisor at the FDA. Her clinical research experience has been in clinical trials with a focus on pharmacogenetics in heart failure. Dr. Fuzat also serves on the HFSA Board of Directors. We also have Dr. Melvin Eccles, who is an assistant professor of medicine at Morehouse School of Medicine in Atlanta, Georgia. Dr. Eccles is interested in clinical trial recruitment, particularly among certain populations who are underrepresented in heart failure research. And finally, we'll hear from Cynthia Chohan, who is living with heart failure and is actively involved in patient advocacy. Cynthia was diagnosed with stage three HFPEF, or heart failure with preserved ejection fraction, seven years ago and has participated in 10 clinical trials, seven of which were in heart failure. She also serves as a patient representative on several clinical trial executive committees and as a patient advocate on the HFSA board of directors. With that, I'd like to welcome everybody to the show. So to get us started, clinical trials are often maybe a little bit misunderstood or even a little bit elusive, but they can play an important role in patient self-advocacy. I'd like to ask our guests if they can tell us a little bit about what clinical trials are and what type of goals they might have. Mona, let's start with you. Sure. So clinical trials really are the backbone of understanding how therapeutics work for the patients that we serve. And so Clearly, we need trials to answer many important questions, and a lot of patients participate in trials because they understand that answering these questions potentially helps them, but most importantly, helps the patients that we'll see in the future. So it helps leave a legacy behind for the questions that are answered. Great. Melvin, anything to add? Yeah, I totally agree with Mona. I think that patients should also understand that clinical trials are traditionally the traditional accepted way to figure out whether or not a medication is there efficacious for us, but also they are very highly regulated, primarily to make sure that at the very end of the day that the patient themselves are the safest. So there are several various structures in place to make sure that patient safety is key. And you both kind of mentioned about leaving a legacy. And I'd like to know, is there anything else you'd like to add about why this type of research is so important to the future of heart failure patient care? Mona? Sure. So as previously mentioned, this is really the way that we answer questions, whether a drug or device is effective, whether it's safe, and it can answer other questions besides drugs and devices like how many patients might have certain types of heart failure or understanding the types of issues that can happen with the heart. We've even done trials looking at different biomarkers, which is a way of testing different values in the bloodstream. 
So there's all kinds of varieties of clinical trials, but every single one of them answers a very important question for the community and ultimately leads to better knowledge down the road for all patients. Great. And Melvin, same question. Why is this type of research so important? So completely agree again with Mona, but for as much as we know about heart failure, there are still so many things that we don't understand about heart failure. And some of these include the types of heart failure that people can actually have when you don't necessarily see a dramatic abnormality in terms of function for the heart. This is known as a HEFPEF or what we call diastolic heart failure. And this particular entity of heart failure is well known. People are well sort of describing this in the literature, but in terms of the medical therapies for it, we have very little evidence that medical therapies that work with the usual traditional types of heart failure that we have seen works for this population. And I'm sure Mrs. Shohan can speak to this as well, because I think overall, that's the whole purpose of why we do these research trials, to actually get the information so that we can better treat the things that we we don't know. That's great. So sticking with you, Melvin, you've been named a top enroller in several trials. Could you tell us a little bit about what this means and how clinical trial enrollment and participation works? Great. So every clinical trial usually is a cluster or a population of various sites that is used to actually enroll from the patient populations. And I would want to say this first and foremost, the name top enroller would mean nothing if it were not for the patients who were willing to enroll and to understand these trials. So essentially, I am a site enroller. So I have uh, enrolled in several heart failure trials over the years that uh, primarily informs patients of the actual research that's being done, making sure that they are informed as, as much as possible. And then once they have decided that this may be something they are interested in, then we enroll or we basically bring them into the trial to begin either treatment with what the investigational drug or whatever interventional arm we have. And so the entire way through, it is very crucial for a site investigator or an enroller to be completely involved with the process through and through. So I'm pretty hands-on. So I, I pretty much, you know, I'm aware of what our clinical research coordinators are, are doing from day to day. And uh, many times this is very helpful because you get to actually sort of troubleshoot any issues that may come up in the systematic sort of process of bringing a trial to your environment, which is very, very helpful. So let's turn it over to Cynthia for a moment and hear from her perspective. So Cynthia, you have been living with heart failure and you've also participated in a number of clinical trials. Can you tell us a little about your experience and what a patient can expect if they participate in a trial? Yes, thank you. I want to echo much of what Melvin was saying. I have HEFPEF, which is essentially untreatable. And that's why I go into trials. When I was first diagnosed and I said, okay, what do we do now? He said, well, there is no treatment. And I said, well, then what about clinical trials? And from that point on, I have been going into clinical trials. I think trials are really important because as has been noted earlier, they push the treatment course forward. They make the difference in whether or not treatment's available, what treatment's available. They give patients an opportunity to give back, to be altruistic. They also give patients the opportunity to 
help in the development of new therapies. I tend to really feel strongly about this. My experience is I was fortunate enough, I think, to know about trials going into care. A lot of patients don't know about trials, and then it becomes the work of the physician and his staff to help them be knowledgeable about trials. So I enrolled in a trial almost immediately and have been in seven heart failure trials since then. What I look for is the integrity of the people who are running the trial and what the trial is asking of me, whether or not these are things I can do, what it means in terms of how my time is used. In my case, I have to travel 600 miles to get to a really good trial center, so I have to take that into account. So the person going into trials has to take into account not only what the trial is offering, but how that fits into their life as they try to move forward with life. I think that trials are just inspirational to me. The fact that the researchers are continuing to look and focus on this very difficult syndrome helps keep me going. The fact that other people are interested in working hard on this and their availability to patients is an inspiration that helps me to stay focused on doing this and moving forward with my life, having HFPEF as part of my life, but not ruling my life. Wow. So it sounds like there are a lot of things to take into account when you're considering participating in a trial What kind of conversations, you mentioned it a little bit, but talk to us about the conversations you had with your care team before signing up for a trial and even during the trial. What are those conversations? How do they feel? What do they look like? Well, the first one is with my physician, my cardiologist, when I say to him, every time we meet, which is roughly every three months, is there a new trial for me? And then we go over what trials are available and whether or not I would be an eligible participant and what the trial would ask of me. The kinds of trials I go into, for the most part, ask of me that I be there on a regular basis, that I give a lot of blood, and that I do stress testing, and the famous six-minute walk, and I do a lot of QOL kinds of questionnaires. So knowing that going in, So I meet with the physician. He says, yes, this is available. The next step is I meet with the coordinator and we go over the informed consent. That's a really important part of the trial because the informed consent tells me what's expected of me and what's expected of the trialist. And it usually has a calendar in it that outlines dates, times, and what I have to do. That's important to look at because that helps me decide, is this something that I can do? For example, I had to say I can't do a trial during COVID because I had to be at the clinic for the blood draws every week or two. And COVID has just messed up so much, but it also messed up my trial participation. So looking at that calendar helps me discern, is this something that I can reasonably do? Because If I'm going to participate in a trial, I have to commit myself to following that calendar. So those are the initial conversations. And then as we go along, my responsibility is to either take the drug or do the exercises and to report any negative and positive effects of what's going on, because that helps the trialist to understand 
whether or not this drug or treatment is effective. One trial I was in was a surgical trial. Um, so that meant looking at how long I would have to be there. What I have a lot of comorbidities. What would the surgery do to the comorbidities or the comorbidities do to the surgery? So those are the kinds of things you have to think about as you're going into and being in the trial. And I think it's important for patients to understand that when we agree to be in a trial, we're making a commitment of participation. And in some cases, it's long-term, some cases it's short-term, but it's always an active participation on our part. We're working together with the researchers to push the science forward to get better patient care into the clinics. And obviously, I feel very strongly about it. (laughs) Wow. Thank you for sharing all that with us. I want to turn it back to Mona and Melvin for a second. So building off of what Cynthia said, what kind of guidance would you give to patients regarding exploring clinical trials that are available while also keeping their care team in the loop? And Melvin, let's start with you. Excellent question. I I think that the first starts, uh, like Cynthia suggests, you start with your primary provider, you know, your primary cardiologist. Many times, whether the cardiologist in the community or in an academic institution, they may be able to have access to clinical trials that are available for you. So I think the very first step is to let your cardiologist know that you are interested in moving forward so that they can help find the, the right trial for you. The other option are many of the academic sites. So many of the academic institutions uh, tend to have websites that are available for clinical trials that they're enrolling in. So that's uh, part of uh, Duke and uh, Morehouse. I know that they actually do have those websites available. So if you're interested, just jump on Google and, and do a search. I think that tends to be the easiest and sort of most simple way to kind of help people get started. On that same topic, What guidance would you give to patients regarding exploring clinical trials? Mona, do you have anything to add? Sure. I mean, you know, unfortunately, we haven't really come up with one singular area that makes searching very easy for patients, although the HFSA has started an initiative to create some trial listings on the website for the research network, the HFSA research network. I know Cynthia was heavily involved in helping with those trial listings. So we are in the process of working on that. It would be a good idea for patients to join the HFSA as a member. I believe we will be sending more communication about clinical trial opportunities And then in addition to Google, which I use for everything, people can search the official website of the government that registers clinical trials, which is called clintrials.gov. That's www.clintrials.com. It's a little bit cumbersome to search, but it does have 
the opportunity to use search terms for those who are internet savvy. And then finally, it's never a bad idea to ask your provider, um, whether it's a nurse or pharmacist or your own physician or another cardiologist that you may be seeing, if you ask if there are any opportunities to participate in a clinical trial, they may know of some. And so sometimes they're busy in the clinic working on other issues and may forget to invite a patient to be in a clinical trial. So asking is always a good idea. So Cynthia, going back to you for just a moment, you've shared so much with us and and we really appreciate that. And just one last question is, do you have any particular advice for patients who might be considering participating in trials, but maybe feel a little nervous or scared? I think the important thing to know is that if you enter a clinical trial, the very least you will get is the standard of care. And you will get, I believe, far more attention by being in a trial than just your regular care as a patient, no matter how good your regular care as a patient is. In trials, you are watched closely, you are followed closely. And we haven't talked about placebo, but placebo enters into HEF-HEF trials because there is no standard treatment. And I think patients really need to understand placebo is not a scary thing. Placebo trials mean that you are getting the basic standard of care no matter which arm of the trial you go into. So you're not forgotten or unattended to just because you're in the placebo arm. I think that's really important to help patients understand. If patients are nervous or scared, we all like to think about ourselves as being meaningful in our presence on earth. And one of the ways to assure that meaningfulness, from my point of view, is to participate in clinical trials, because then you as a patient are helping to move the science forward. I think that's exciting. And I think it's just You are part of the wave of the future when you enroll in a clinical trial. That's a good thing. And I agree, clinicaltrials.gov is a massive resource. It's difficult to get through, but I'm in favor of asking your provider, hey, can you sit down at the computer with me and let's go to clinicaltrials.gov and figure out what's out there for me if you don't already know? because I cannot believe there's not a trial that I could be a part of. So help me with that. And I think you have to, in that way, be your own advocate and say to the provider, we are working together. We are working together. And together, I want us to find a good trial for me so that I can help move the science forward. That's about it, I guess. (laughs) Some good advice. (laughs) So there's been a lot of resources mentioned today, and I do want to ask Mona and Melvin if there's any additional resources you would mention to share with if patients are interested in finding clinical trials. I know we've talked about clinicaltrials.gov, the clintrials.com. Are there any other resources you would like to include in that? I would just re-emphasize asking your doctor or nurse that you see Um, They often know of trials that are ongoing, and they may even look into it for you if they don't already know of one. 
And then again, I think it would be beneficial for patients to be members of the HFSA, where we really do focus on both education and research for the future of the Heart Failure Society and Heart Failure Patients. So again, I agree with Mona. Um, I think that it's also reasonable if you have ever experienced a clinical trial and things work well for you and you feel like you've benefited. I think there's nothing wrong with keeping the contact and just making sure that, you know, every now and again, uh, sending a little email or sort of uh, reaching out, hey, you know, you got anything for me? <laughs> I agree with Mona, the, the process by which patients can sort of systematically get to all of the trial information sometimes can be a little difficult, but the HFSA organization has gone above and beyond to make sure that they are strong patient advocates. And so I think that's a great resource. I agree with what they said. And I just wanted to add, when you enter a clinical trial, you are making a contract, but part of that contract is if at any time it doesn't feel right for you to be in the trial, you can withdraw. I don't recommend withdrawing because I believe very strongly in trials, but I think patients need to know that that is available to them. I agree. That's an excellent point because the primary focus is the patient. And so above and beyond anything, we want to make sure that the patients are feeling comfortable of of the process. And so Cynthia is absolutely correct in that matter. I think trials are an exciting opportunity. They do move life forward. And for those of us with HFF, we really want that. We want to be alive and functional. And that's what trials help us do. Well, that sounds like a great ending point here to our, our conversation today. I do want to ask one last time if there's anything anybody else would like to add and share with our listeners on clinical trial research. I really want to underscore Mona's point about patients joining HFSA. HFSA is an incredible organization. It's very patient-centric. And now that it has patient membership, that will only grow. So, yes, I think that patients should consider, consider joining HFSA and bringing the patient voice to the research table. That's what it's all about. And I I think that it's important if we don't know, particularly about sort of the process, ask. By all means, I encourage patients to ask about the trials, what's out there, how does it work? Because as a person who is really interested on making sure that all populations are treated well and equally. This is a very important point for people who are skeptical of clinical trials. So by all means, ask if if you're seeking answers. I agree strongly, Melvin. Ask not only what are the clinical trials, but what clinical trial is good for me? What's the value of me personally participating in this trial? I think that's a valid question to ask. I want to thank everybody for being here today, Mona, Melvin, and Cynthia. It was fantastic having you all on the show. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Thank you. To find more resources related to heart failure clinical trials, research, and more, or to become a member of HFSA, visit the Heart Failure Society of America's website at hfsa.org or follow us on Twitter and Facebook to see valuable heart failure awareness resources. To all the listeners of the Heart Failure Beat Healthy Living, thanks for joining us and have a great day.